Seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride a legal trip. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. He's a Chinese are down here. He's using snowboarders together on a run, you're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you are around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. Their life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know. Welcome to Mind the Track with Powbot and Trail Whisperer, ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, celebrating the core lords, and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today is January 8th, 2024, and you're listening to episode number 29. By the way, thanks for listening. Please help spread the word. Leave Mind the Track a rating and review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Got feedback or a core lord we should chat with? Drop us a line at mindthetrackpodcast at gmail.com, at mindthetrack on Instagram, or just go to our website at mindthetrack.com and let us know what you think of the show. I am the Trail Whisperer, and here beside me, as always, is the professor of the pow. I'm a little rusty. It's been a few weeks the director of the Powder Intelligence Agency and the United Shredders of Snow recording here in Powbot Shredquarters tonight. Happy yeah. 2024, Powbot. Happy 2024. It's a new year. Season two. This is season two. Episode one of season two. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You know, I don't know how different podcasts do seasons, but I, I do seasons by the year just to keep it simple. So we made it a year. Yeah. So we're in season two. I always sort of concerned. You sort of document or remember my years by how good this ski season was. Right. And 23 was pretty darn good and it ended great. And 24 is kind of off to a rough start. Well, but, I, I look at it the other way around. I 23 yeah. ended great. But what do you call the first? So, because I look at winters like, 22, 23, 23, 24, because you start in the, right, like November, December. So like November, December this year was garbage. But as soon as New Year's Day hit, yeah, it started the machine on. turned on. So yeah. now we're getting snow. That so gets, that's like, what I was referencing. Yeah. You know, it's it, it started slow, but my little trip up to Shasta sort of reinvigorated my, my love of winter. Yeah, you did a New Year's trip to Shasta. New huh? Year's trip to Shasta. Cool. Yeah, Rugging we'll, the year with that. We'll talk. We'll talk yeah, a little we'll bit about that. that trip. That that was a cool story um, that you you had to go going up there. It sounds like you guys scored, so that's a good way to ring in the new year. Uh, we what did we do? Oh, I got a good one. Swan yeah, John, what are you guys up to? So, it's been a minute since we've gotten together. Yeah, actually, no. We so on Christmas Day, Swan John and I. Went uh, Nordic skiing. Oh, that's right. Um, I got. You went Nordorking. We went Nordorking, and I. How'd that go for you? (laughs) It's a complete gong show. Yeah, it was my our an avid listener, John Kennedy. He uh, gave me a pair of skate old skate skis that he had, Um, and so I found a pair of boots and 
Swan John and I went up to Mount Rose, um, just the meadows there. Mm-hmm. And they have like a little Mount Rose XC area where they yeah, grew. Yeah, they're doing but a great job up there. With there's that. like barely any snow. So they only had like this one, the old Mount Rose Highway that parallels the, yeah. the today's Mount Rose Highway. And they have it groomed. But it's like, pretty steep. <laughs> it's, dude, from the bottom, it's like this steep climb and it climbs all the way to where it ends. And then you turn around and you, so I didn't realize it, but it's like one big ass climb and then one big ass descent. And like, I haven't touched a pair of skate skis in a year and a half. So that right out of the gate, we're staring at the steep uphill. I'm like, oh God. And dude, it was like a, a newborn deer, you know, like a <laughs> fawn learning to, to, to walk. I'm just like, Legs flailing, arms flailing. So, and the snow wasn't very good. And there was like everybody on the planet up there on Christmas morning, like trying out their new sleds. And, you know, people are post holing across the freaking groomed track. So there's like crater holes in the track and you're dodging loose dogs. And it was kind of, and then it was awesome. Like finally get starting to get the hang of it, you know, the skate, the glide, you got to get the glide going, you know. And then we get, to the turnaround and I'm coming back downhill and getting the glide going on the downhill, feeling pretty good. And there's this dude to my right, um, who's skating and I'm catching up to him. So I was like, all right, I'm going to make the pass, you know, cause I'm just <laughs> getting the zone, you know, you're like, I'm going to make the pass. And, but the guy like starts drifting over towards me. I'm like, uh, uh, oh, and so I have to like juke left and you know, they have the two cross country tracks, the, the striding like, tracks, the striding tracks. And I'm like, oh, looks like I'm going in the tracks. And so I like get one ski in the first track and I'm like, okay. And I try to get over to the next one. Don't make it totally like yard sale right next to him. And he looks over and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Dude, that was like the old bike racer and you just wanting to pass them. Totally. Oh yeah. No, no. It was like the, the, the bit between the horse's mouth, you know, just like, I got to make the pass. I should have just hung back. But anyway. So yeah, that so was that your was, first day on snow. That was my first day on snow. Okay. And then I didn't, yeah, my, my first legit day on snow skiing, like downhill was at Sugar Bowl last Wednesday. So that would, that'd be January 3rd, okay. I guess. That's the latest start I've ever had to any winter. Yeah, is it? Yeah, for sure. I've always skied in the December, you know, November yeah. before New Year's. You had to wait. Do you, do you have a restricted pass? I do. So yeah. you had to wait. Until I had to the, wait till after New. I didn't yeah. want to go during the holiday anyway. Like it wasn't that good. Actually, that Wednesday was a really good day. Last Wednesday was really good. Yeah. Um, it was just busy. It was super busy for Wednesday. There were a lot of kids, you know, kids have had school off for a couple of weeks. So like every kid was there. Yeah, this has been a, a different holiday because the kids didn't go back to school until Monday the 8th. Yeah. So the holiday was bookended with the second half of it, sort of. So yeah. Tahoe was really busy this last week. Yeah, it was we crazy all some, busy. I think some viral photos of people crashing their cars and long lift lines and all of the good fun that comes with sort of too many people and not enough skiing. Yeah. There's been a lot of that. Yeah. Well, you know, you had mentioned that like Palisades doesn't even have KT open right now. So like everyone is being jammed onto the upper mountain. And there was a picture of Cybo, Siberia chair, the line, like the singles line bent around the corner up towards Washishu. It looked like you got off the old Squaw One Washishu and basically got in line again. Dude, that was insane. Yeah, I mean, it's like seeing that stuff, it's done. Yeah. Like, have we reach, finally reached a tipping point? I don't know. I think maybe it's all just like kind of 
kind of compounded on each other because we haven't had any snow and everybody is just like so, you know, amped to go skiing that finally there's some snow and it was the holiday and, mm-hmm. you know, after New Year. Um, and I think like it just, yeah, you've got now everybody wanting to ski, but there's limited terrain open. So like- I haven't been, I have an Icon Pass and I have not been to either Alpine or Squaw yet. I'll tell I might you, go I, this week finally. I I did. I've just been skiing I, I, in the backcountry and skiing the independents. God bless the independent resorts now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just been to Rose so far this year, and you luckily have Sugar Bowl in your back pocket. Yeah, and I really like Sugar Bowl for the side country access and backcountry mm-hmm. access. Like yep. yesterday, I had a few friends skiing up there, and it was a pow day, right? But it was crazy busy, and I got a, I was off the back. I got a late start. I didn't show up until like ten o'clock, which is you know too late. But it was parked out to the highway, old Highway 40. Yeah, you like said you skinned, you skinned in. I skinned in. I par- I was like, F this. So I just drove up to the Summit House on Donner Summit there. And I just, like I was going to go skin up to the top of, you know, I skinned up to the top of Judah basically and then skied into the resort and then just- That's a first. Ski- yeah, it, it was. But you know what? I don't know why I don't do it more. It's kind of awesome because yesterday it was yeah. a gong, it was a gong show at Sugar Bowl. Like Sugar Bowl is pretty mellow. There's not you know a lot of people usually, but yesterday was just again kind of what we were talking about. It was a culmination. All the kids were still off. It was their last day off. It was a pow day. It was a nice weather. It was a great day. It was just crazy busy, and so did a few laps with some friends, and then I was just like, I got to get away from this. So I just busted a left where everybody was going right and went off the backside of Lincoln. Did a little side tour. Did a backcountry tour. Brought my skins, right? And then toured up around Judah and it was awesome. That's kind of a different take on all these ski resorts now opening up to uphill travel, Yeah, which has gotten really popular. Mm -hmm. And it's great. Like people are going out and using their backcountry gear and getting acquainted with it and getting exercise. And then they're already at the ski resort, so they probably do a couple laps. Yeah. I've only had to do that. I did that once a couple of years ago, getting ready for a trip, going on a trip to Canada. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any snow during the drought years. And I did was banging laps at Sugar Bowl mm-hmm. and doing the uphill thing just to sort of get my legs sort of sorted out. Yeah, that was the uh, other reason why I did that yesterday. Because I, I need some skin track time. I have not been in the skin track at mm-hmm. all this year. And we got a, a Frog Lake hut trip coming, coming up, up this weekend and next week. And so... I can't be off the back. I got to at least have a couple days under my yeah, legs. I got to be so. able to st- stick the trail whisper up front and start <laughs> breaking some trails. Yeah. So I had to kind of. Well, I'm glad you got on feel. snow. It would, that's so, that's yeah. interesting to hear that that's the latest. Latest start. Latest start ever for And you. I wasn't trying to go skiing, you know, it, yeah, we, like we, the, we, the mountain biking in Verdi has been so good that I've just been doing that. Yeah. I think I kind of rode my bike more through December than I did ski. Yeah, for sure. We had a ton of good time times on the on the bike. Yeah, the Donnyville trip. We had a number of days in in your backyard in Verdi, and then we had the South Yuba day. Yeah, let's talk talk about that. Yeah, let's get into that one. It was really good to get back into the foothills. Totally. And you had gotten word that South Yuba had been cleared. Yep. By the Nevada Woods Riders yeah. group or what's what's their handle? The Nevada County Woods Riders. They're a moto club Okay, uh, in the Grass Valley area. And some of those boys also have e-bikes. Yep. And they so ride e-bikes. They yeah. had cleared South Yuba, which is notoriously sort of always littered with down trees. 
Yeah. And too much poison oak. Minimally maintained. And and just sort of landslides, yeah. down <laughs> trees, brush, poison oak, crazy ticks in the spring. I yeah. wouldn't touch South Yuba Trail in the spring. I've only ridden pole. that like in maybe late maybe late October, but I've ridden it in November and December. That's when January, you ride it. a fair bit. That's when you ride years. it. It yep. had been ten years since I've been in there, but they had also cleared Missouri Bar. Yep, which was a ripping downhill to get in there, and so that was a super fun day to get into that zone of the foothills. Just gorgeous. It's really cool terrain. Like I've spent so much time in the North Yuba River Canyon and Downeyville that I've really not spent enough time in the South Yuba River mm -hmm. area. And um, there's so much good riding there. And I have a lot of friends who live down there and they keep like telling me, you know, hey, come on down. And I just check this out. haven't taken advantage of that, but we finally did and went and uh, our friend Steve Minier and George rode with us. And they've been, been, and then another friend, Tony Smith, been doing all this trail work and they spent like days out on south yuba and missouri bar cutting down uh, trees cutting out trees fixing landslides and so yeah the whole loop we rode um where you what's that crossing we we took i think uh, it's purden's crossing well i think it's up is it or is it edwards i, I think it's up, yeah i think it's up from purden's crossing it's, it's the edwards. next one up yeah and then we you climb the hill about a mile and there's that parking lot the mm -hmm. south yuba trailhead i guess and then we rode out to malakoff diggins which was super cool i'd heard all about malakoff um but had never seen it you'd never laid eyes on on that whole zone huh? no okay um and it's i mean that whole area is just like i know the like i have a lot of friends who live there and ride that stuff like gravel riding it's like all time quality backcountry yeah. it's remote dirt backcountry, road dirt riding venturing yeah but Malakoff was really cool. So for those who aren't familiar with Malakoff Diggins, it's a historic hydraulic mining site. So hydraulic mining was a method they used during the gold rush to extract gold. And basically, in layman's terms, they just take a giant high-pressure fire hose called a monitor, and they just blast the side of a mountain off with high-pressure mm -hmm. water to get down to the bedrock where the gold is in the ancient river channels. And so Malakoff was this hydraulic mine site that, you know, they blew about, I don't know, 200 vertical feet of a mountain off. Um, and It's like a giant pit mine, but it was made with blasting water. Yeah, it's kind, kind of, of like of. a pit mine made out of blasted water. Yeah, like they blasted the mountain away. Yes, and they created yeah, wild. an insane amount of sediment, right? So like on the South Yuba River Trail where we rode, there was that Humbug Creek and there was a big sign, a BLM sign, an old sign that, that described like Humbug Creek and this tunnel, it was like a mile long tunnel where, you know, cause Humbug Creek is in the South Yuba River, obviously is in the bottom of the canyon and Malakoff Diggins is probably about 1500 vertical mm -hmm. feet up the mountain higher up. Maybe a little bit more almost. Maybe even higher. Yeah. And so all the sediment would go into this tunnel and go underground and then just puke out the tunnel um, at its exit just above the South Yuba River and created this massive tailings pile that's still there that the trail actually goes through. And you can, you go from like this crazy sharp bedrock on the river and you turn the corner and it's like sand and pebbles and like river rock. It's really weird. And that's where all the tailings ended up, yeah. right? But it also ended up washing into the South Yuba River and then just going downstream and completely flooding out 
downstream towns. So like towns like Marysville and, and Yuba City were getting inundated with sediment and it was creating epic flooding and it was destroying, you know, habitat and, and the far and like, you know, homesteads and farms and stuff. And it was toxic, toxic settlement or sediment too, wasn't it? Or well, not so much. Well, I don't know if it was toxic because I don't know if they were, you know, there there are toxic chemicals they use in the process of separating like quartz from gold, like muriatic acid and these other things and, you know, like uh, mercury, quicksilver, you know. Hmm. Um, but I'm not sure if that stuff made its way into the sediment. I think it was just more of a flooding and sediment issue. Okay. But nonetheless, it was bad enough that in 1884... The first environmental piece of legislation in American history was passed called the Sawyer Act. The Sawyer Act, yeah. Which outlawed hydraulic mining, which is pretty, like, a considerable, like, moment when you think about, this was 1884, man, anything goes. Like, back then, they were doing all kinds, I mean, people, like, murder was, you know, a commonplace thing, right? I guess it still is today, but... Like unprosecuted murder was a commonplace thing back then. Mm. It was the Wild West. And so to have an environmental piece of legislation passed that restricted that behavior tells you how bad it actually was. Mm -hmm. And it was the farmers downstream said yeah. that it was messing up their yeah. their crops. Yep. And they were the ones that threw the original lawsuit yep. and got it changed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so really it was a... Cool. Piece. Yeah, it's a cool piece of history. Cool piece of history, beautiful. And so now the trail, you know, is like, um, it goes around the rim of Malakoff Diggins and you're up on top and there are these like, it's like Red Rock Cliffs. It almost looks like a mini Utah in a, a Alpine forest, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and the trail's fun. It links right into that Missouri Bar Trail, which is a bomb drop of a descent, super fast and yeah. flowy and fun. And then it puts you right on the South Yuba. And then we rode the South Yuba downstream, probably about 12 miles or so. Felt longer. Actually, it didn't feel longer because we were on e-bikes. You call it downstream, <laughs> but that trail sort of is up. It, that trail almost goes uphill both ways. It definitely goes uphill both ways. It's a river trail, classic river trail. Yeah. Classic river trail. But it's so pretty. To me, it was so pretty that I was, I really didn't care. And we were on e-bikes. Yeah, and we were on e-bikes. And, you know, like we had uh, a 2N Ben, you know. He, 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 he was is, not on an e-bike. He is an e-bike. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> we we didn't even notice that, you know, he was on his Amish bike. But um, we had a, I mean, it was a great way to experience the the South Yuba Trail. I did get a comment from a guy. I brought. I have it in my notes to bring it up. You did the, the yeah. doorknob. I got all my head in my notes is like, <laughs> what's up with the doorknob guy? <laughs> Hating on e-bikes. Yeah. So there was a guy, and I don't know if it was tongue in cheek or if he was for real, but he he said, "Oh, I didn't realize real because I put up a social post about yeah, it." Well, your you know? social post made waves. A lot of people yeah. were like, "Ooh, South Yuba." And, and yeah, cool trail to ride. Let's go check it out. I, and it's been maintained, yeah. right? That's the main thing. Most people are scared away from South Yuba because they don't know, yeah. like, am I going to have to climb over 20 million down trees or is it actually clear? Mm -hmm. So I put the shout out and, you know, it's clear. These guys have put a bunch of work in, go ride it. Go ride it. And so yeah. this guy made a comment like, oh, I didn't know South Yuba was open to mopeds. <laughs> I'm like, really, dude? Like, are you joking or are you being a dick on purpose, you know? And so, you know, it, he, what did he say? He, I was like, don't, I was like, don't be a doorknob, you know, just give me a break. Who cares? 
And he's like, well, is it a doorknob to, um, you know, ride a trail that's not designated for the use that you're using. You know, we have our, our forest service partners and, you know, it's very valuable to us and we don't want to denigrate that relationship. I'm like, dude, let me tell you something. A, the Tahoe National Forest right now is neck deep in NEPA. NEPA is, you know, the, the National Environmental Policy Act to evaluate allowing all class one e-bikes on all non-motorized trails that are already open to mountain bikes in the Tahoe National Forest. So the, pro the wheels are in motion, right? Mm -hmm. They realize you can't stop a tidal wave with sandbags. So they're going to follow the process and, and you know, make it legal. And then, you know, the, the, the other thing that I thought was funny is that, you know, he mentions, oh, it's, you know, a violation to ride an e-bike on the South Yuba River Trail, technically. Well, it's also a violation to ride a mountain bike, technically, on the rim trail in Malakoff Diggins State Park. Is it? I didn't know that. Because California State Parks is, I'm sorry, but I'm going to, they are the model for what not to do in the state park world for when it comes to recreation, particularly mountain biking, because they are so off the back. Hmm. Like every other state park agency I've ever seen in other states, like pro recreation, pro bicycles, pro mountain bike trails. Like you can pretty much ride. It's kind of like, unless designated closed, the trail is open for use. That's the kind of the mantra for every other state park in America, right? In California, it's the opposite is, unless marked open, it's illegal for you to ride your mountain, mountain bike, bike on, on it. it. And so technically the rim trail in Malakoff Diggins is closed to bike. So I said to him, I was like, well, if you ever ridden your mountain bike, in Malakoff Diggins on the rim trail, you're breaking the rule too, dude. So where do you want to go with we this? We were the first people to ride that trail in weeks. On the exactly. And there's trail. more it's... bear scat on that trail than there are tire tracks. Yeah, there was. Like it's it was really an unused trail completely because it's remote. It's hard to get to. And the only people who are going to use it, aside from the woman we saw hiking her dog, who was super chill, she was like stoked to see us, mm -hmm. are mountain bikes, right? So- it's it's just I got on I got my, I got on an ass rant. <laughs> angry, I love it. The angry single speeder gets on the rant, but like I it really it really does bug me when someone makes a snide remark about e-bikes and you know especially like you know I didn't know it's so, just dude who cares man why do you even care? Yeah, I so I for in that regard the South like, Yuba Trail is perfect for an e-bike. It is perfect for an e-bike. And you know? it's perfect for maintaining it as well. Like the exactly. reason you brought up, that, the, that's what you I brought said up the point that the only reason that that trail is maintained right now is because the guys from the, the guys riders, on mopeds or the guys maintaining on e-bikes were the ones that had cleared it. Right. Because without that tool, without an e-bike tool, it, it would have been almost impossible to do the work that they did. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And now, now that I've had an e-bike, I'll say that now that I've had one for a, a summer, I don't think that they do. I can, at least from my experience, they don't change and they're the same impact on a trail no, as, a, as a normal bike. No difference the in impact. The class ones are the same impact. 100%. In some cases, better than less impact than mountain bikes because they're heavier and they maintain traction better. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and the Forest Service, they've gone through this whole process. That I have to give a lot of credit. To, we're very fortunate, actually, to be living in a part of the country with such a progressive national forest. So the Tahoe National Forest is kind of the model for the rest of the USDA 
when it comes to progressive policy around recreation. They're on the front end of this whole movement. They want to do the right thing. And, mm -hmm. and they're realizing like, we're not gonna be able to stop this by telling people you can't do it. And we're not gonna employ a bunch of people to write tickets. We have to understand this new form of recreation and get ahead of it and, uh, and, and integrate it and, and, and welcome it, right? Where it yeah. makes sense. So, and they've discovered- And build more trail to spread people out. Right, yeah. Or like, for example, you don't need, in some cases you don't even need to build more trail because like the South Yuba River Trail is just sitting there unused completely because of how hard it is to access. Yeah. But if you had more people maintaining it with e-bikes and riding it on e-bikes, suddenly now there's more people going out there, taking pressure off all the other trails that like, you know, the new Hoot Trail and Parliament Trail Network and Talent, like that place has gotten super busy. It's wild. That place is wildly busy. It's rightfully so. It's really fun riding, but it was, yeah. it was interesting going into South Yuba that day because it was such a contrast to what's going on up there on on Harmony Ridge yeah. versus what we, I, I don't think we saw anybody. No, no. Oh no. We did see a trail runner coming down Missouri bar. And then yes. once we hit South Yuba, we didn't see anybody. And the, yeah, the guy with his dogs. He wouldn't, he was on Missouri. Yeah. And that's a ripping downhill. I'll, that's a I'll, really good I'll downhill. throw that out there. That Missouri bar, fun. highly recommend. It reminded me of both St. Charles and Brown Bear. Brown Bear, those old historic trails. I was looking yeah. for those old trail marking signs. Let's talk yeah. about those a little bit. So when, yeah. we, the, when I was with you and we did St. Charles, I noticed those, or you pointed out those old trailblazing mm -hmm. signs. Yep. Marked into trees. What are those things all about? So for anyone who rides old trail and has ever noticed a lowercase I, like just a lowercase I, the letter carved into a tree, that is a, a tree blaze. So in the 1920s and 30s, the U.S. Forest Service employed a bunch of people to inventory every trail that existed by cutting a, a lowercase i into a tree to mark the trail alignment. So, you know, some, some trails have more of them than others, but if you ever see them on a trail, you know you're on an old trail. So that means that those, they were put in 100 years ago. Yeah. Ah, that's cool. Yeah. And then, you know, later on, I guess it, it fell out of fate, like it's not the environmentally responsible thing to do anymore. To go carve it into trees. Yeah, I, guess, I guess not. I think it's kind of cool and the tree doesn't seem to mind. It just integrates. It. It's like a tattoo. Yeah, it's like- It's a, like a tree tattoo, you know? It's a tree brand. Totally. Yeah, it's a tree brand. Yeah. So um, you know you're on an old trail when you see those. And that's how I like to find old trails. Like I'll find a map with an alignment and I'll go out in the woods and I'll just hunt for those tree blazes. And sometimes it's hard to find because trees fall over, right? So the blaze is mm -hmm. gone. But other times there are old trees and like trails like Mount Lola Trail, for example, has a bunch of rad tree blazes on it. If you've Does ever- Does it? I've, never oh, seen, yeah. I've ridden Lola a bunch and I've never seen them. Oh yeah. They're oh, there. Cool. Yep. Um, all those old trails have, have tree blazes. Haskell Peak Trail, Chapman, like, yeah, a lot uh -huh. of those trails have those old tree blazes. But I did not see really any- on our ride, I, South Yuba Trail is not that old of a trail. Because I think- no, Missouri, a, But I was thinking more Missouri Bar because that, yeah. that was, the miners were probably using that trail to go up and down the canyon maybe. Maybe, or the Humbug Creek, I know. Yeah, they were using it to go. That Humbug Creek is an old trail. An old trail. Maybe Missouri's newer. I don't know. Hmm. But nonetheless, that was a super fun outing, super fun ride. Um, highly recommend it. Uh, and I got some- uh, my buddy Ron Sanchez, who lives in the area down in Grass Valley, he mentioned that we should 
uh, drop in off of, um, what's the damn name of that mountain? Uh, what's the descent that you can go down to the South Yuba River Trail from like, like the south side of the river? Not Thunder Mountain, something mountain. I don't know. Um, oh, shoot. Anyway, he said it's a rip and descent down to the South Yuba River Trail. Um, kind of between Purden's Crossing and where we crossed in there. Oh, the Round, round Mountain. Round Mountain. Yeah, Round That's Mountain. That's it. So after we rode, like you'd said, some people, uh, John Morrison reached out to me and he and Jess and uh, Jay, uh, uh, a few other people went and did the big loop. Same loop? Well, they did they did the loop we did and then added on that. Oh, that. Cool. Yeah, on e- on e-bikes. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's like a 6k day as John does. Yeah. Uh but yeah, they 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 took that bait and ran down there and and I think they did it uh right around New Year's. That's what they were doing over New Year's. I love that John yeah. and Jess Morrison, two of the hardest core hardcore core lords ever on the skin track ever. Yeah. They ride e-bikes. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, cuz it's give, fun. I'll I mean, give those boys a shout out. They, they had a great slideshow this week. Oh yeah. 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 That was the Alpenglow. The Alpenglow series slideshow. I wasn't able to make it. I had some stuff going on that evening that I had to come home for, uh, but I was able to watch the slideshow live, Mm -hmm. uh, and or recorded. I think it might still be on YouTube. Uh, but both Jim and John did a together brother slideshow of, of their history of skiing and their time in the Sierras and their exploits in Alaska and, and all of Jim's time in the Himalaya. Really well done. Nice. Yeah, it was a good slideshow. I recommend if it's still out on YouTube, I recommend people checking it out. Cool. Yeah, it was a good that was a good presentation. Right it on. Got me stoked. It was so I've been dealing with like a little bit of a leg injury after going to Shasta and their slideshow was a lot about uh, sort of perseverance and endurance and both of them have had some woes in life, shall we say, and it was really inspiring yeah. to, with what they laid down in that slideshow for me to just sort of put my big boy pants on and buck up and realize it work. isn't so bad. Yeah. Realize it's not so bad and work through the issues that I have had going on the last couple of weeks. But yeah. yeah Perspective's powerful. Yep. Yeah. And they did a really good job with that. So nice. I, I, I give the, yeah, they're my core Lord shot of the week. They had a really good presentation. Cool. Yeah. Well, we've talked enough about dirt. I think we should probably talk some about snow since it is actually finally snowing. Yeah. And you finally got on snow in the Sierra. We've had a couple storms. Some light blower storms too. Not a lot of base building. It's still pretty shark toothy and shallow out there. But there's been a lot of PTEX lost. Oh God, yeah. A lot of blown edges. Totally. Yeah. I think people in the ski shop are tired of hearing like, "So can is this fixable?" Then <laughs> they're looking at it being like, "Yeah, no, bud. Yeah, your ski's done." Yeah, I know. There's been a lot of that, but I think we're turning the corner on it. Maybe, maybe should we ask Snoop what's going down? I think we should find out from Snoop what he we're finally, looking at this yeah, next week. I mean, he was like, what are you boys doing? I haven't recorded for two weeks almost, but you know, he's like, basically you guys are recording as much as it's been snowing in the Sierras. <laughs> <laughs> we had to take a holiday break, man, you know, between season one and two, got to yeah. reset yeah, a little, yeah. take some time off, but is is Snoop having as much trouble forecasting outside of forty eight hours as every other forecaster? Well, I he he bring I think he brings it up in his report. Oh, he does. Yeah. Okay, oh, good, yeah. good. Yeah, All he, right. he brings it up in the report. So yeah, let's let's get let's into get the, into let, it. Let's see what Snoop has to say here. For all you core lords out there, this is Snoop Pod Dive with the weekly Mind Z Track Snow Sizzle My Dizzle Powderific Snow Report for the first and second week of January two thousand twenty four. Okay. 
Since I last checked in, the entire holidays period was as dry and lame as trying to eat a Nature Valley granola bar with cotton grill mouth. But the true powder core lords have still been getting out. During the dry spell, oak turns went down with Herculean efforts in the backcountry on the volcanoes of the Cascades and Shasta, deep in the Wasatch, and the high ghetto of Colorado. Steamboat has been a chiller sleeper and had a few surprise legit pow days. Overall, the holidays were highlighted by an epic and iconic deadly combo of poorly groomed man-made snow, minimal terrain available, zombie-like crowds of inexperienced skiers and riders, blown sidewalls, horse shots, and overworked ski patrollers mopping up the daily mess of red jerrys. Lift your gin and juice chalice and cheers that the dry holiday wet mess is over with until the next three-day weekend. Moving on, it's turning colder than when SpongeBob left his freezer door open. A strong series of storms originating in the Canadian Northlands will bring multiple rounds of power. All areas of the west side is in on this powder jam, with Utah and Oregon getting the fattest amounts. Just be smarter than your average tall bear as the snowpack and avalanche conditions will be complicated for all areas. Read your local forecast daily, make good decisions, and stay cool. Forecasting farther out. I just say all as dedicated weathermen don't know shit this year, and the weather models are as predictable as a squirrel that's hustling across four lanes of I-80. Keep your blunt rolling fingers crossed that it keeps going later into January and we can keep that pow train rolling. Till next report, get some... Yeah, I love the, the analogy of the squirrel across four lanes of I-80. It's this way, it's that way, it's this way, it's that way, it's that way, it's this way, it's that way, it's this way, that way, that way. Oh, poor B.A. Yeah, B.A.'s, uh, well, he called it at the beginning of the he season. Did. He's like, I'm not going to predict anything except average, because I just, I don't, I'm not trusting the models. Like, I give him a ton of credit for that one, yeah. because like, I went into this season, you know, I like... I I fell for the hype. You know, I was like, oh, it's just going to be like last year. Like, yes. Well, it is El Nino, though. It's just ah. not like it's from what I understand, El Nino for the Sierra Nevada Tahoe is very unpredictable. It's it's like yeah. it could go one way or the other. There's no. There's no consistency. Like Southern California, usually in an El Nino winter, gets hammered, and they have been. They have been, and they've been getting a ton of swell, Yo, which yeah. is very typical for El Ninos. Dude, the swell over the holiday, like that was wild. I, I, I mean, I've been watching weather in California for twenty plus years, and I've been watching surf in particular, and I don't think I've ever seen the surf that big in Southern California. It maxed out. It was insane. It maxed everything out except for Santa Barbara. Like Rincon was as big as it's ever been surfable, but like everywhere else was maxed out. Ventura was maxed out. Yeah. Like all, all tons of parts of Southern California were maxed out. Did you all see the road them. wave hit that hit Ventura and oh, like yeah. washed people down Main <laughs> Street? <laughs> it, moved, it went like three blocks into, into town. Oh my God, that was wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you're, it, it has been a typical El Nino for sure. Like I, I had a friend reach out to me and tell me that it's really typical for El Ninos to be wetter on the coast than yeah. it is for them in the Sierras, which is exactly what's been happening this yeah, year. For sure. All the storms have had these South to North orientation. We haven't like the hose has just been like all over the place. Yeah. 
and yeah, to trying to forecast any of this is just like I got super excited through three weeks ago when it looked like we were going to get lined up with some storms, and then it just all fizzled. Yeah, it's been yeah. a it's been an interesting hard year to sort of read what's going on. Yeah. I mean, BA this morning, his forecast was for zero to forty eight inches over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all or nothing. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> did you uh, did, did you or did you or or storm go surf? At all? Did they? Did you guys catch any of? He's them? been surfing some. So I caught one of those early swells before the big holiday swell. Is you know I think it was right before we recorded. I was down there in December. I think is when right. that swell train started. But there has just been a series of swell. Yeah, did, really, really good year for surf in California. And so. didn't and didn't Storm talk to somebody who had just come out of the water? What did, uh, he gave his. Uh, he gave his opinion of what the surf was like. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, uh. dude, you got the best barrels ever, dude. Just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them, and you just drop in and just smack the lip, whoop, drop down, snap, and then after that, you just drop in, just ride the barrel and get pitted, so pitted. <laughs> So pitted. That's such a classic, dude. Oh, that's so good. That's like the greatest surfer interview ever. <laughs> so you had your first day, the latest ever. Yeah. And I'll have to say that I had my latest barrel or getting pitted, which for me on a snowboard is getting like a full frontside hack face shot, the latest time ever. Oh, really? Yeah. First one of the oh, year, yeah. the latest? Yeah, it was just the other day when I was out finally, you know, two days mm -hmm. ago or something. It was into the first week of January. I finally got pitted. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> well, it was in the in 2024, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got pitted plenty in 23, so yeah, might as well yeah. save it for 24. <laughs> yeah, the surf was epic, though, man. Good kudos to all the surfers and any any of the core lords that chased it down to Baja, maybe. Yeah, like that whole the Seven Sisters. I saw some Tahoe folk had made it down that way, and I'll bet you it was just epic. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've been groveling up here still trying to find sniff out some powder but i think that would have been a good call totally yeah i dig your uh by the way i dig your little uh shred quarters here i, I know you spent a lot of while it wasn't snowing and you were just yeah, i worked on the man the man cave so <laughs> yeah you know, this is pretty cool you so you sequestered swan john into the living <laughs> the bedroom the wife though here Nicole sequestered me into the, into the, into the garage. <laughs> She's like, go do whatever you do out there. Yeah. Nice. My little, I call it my shred shrine. Yeah. It's pretty rad. A lot of memories. In I here. like how you've saved every season pass photo all ever. All season passes. And all your maps, you know, that was one thing I should have done was kept, I had all these ski maps, these James Niehaus. Mm -hmm. Is his name Niehuis? Niehaus? Niehaus? Know. You know, the, oh, yeah. I the know famous it. illustrator mm -hmm. who does every ski mountain. If he, I follow his Insta. It's great. It's amazing. And I idolized his maps when I was a kid. And so I had all the ski mountains that I'd ever skied at hanging up on my wall at home. And then, I don't know, got to college and threw them all out. But shoot, I still wish I had them. It'd be a cool thing to hang yeah, up in Yeah, I the saved, so that little little thing up there that says have a happy day yeah that's you can see there's still a bunch of maps in there but you know there was a that's some hippy dippy shit right there, there was a there was a period of time where we used to adventure and it was all off a gazetteer yeah right and a map that you would buy when you would st stop into the local forest service ranger station right and be like so i want to go figure this out here and the, some nice ranger would 
explain to you some things and give you a map and off you went. And so I kept all those, all those years. Psst. Hey, you. Yeah. You across the garage. The guy who never uses me. I've been hanging in the rafters for years. My top sheet's buried in dust. My rails are rusty. I haven't seen wax since I was new. You're always grabbing that shiny new board next to me. I want a new owner, man. You're lame. Am I hallucinating? No. This is your old split board speaking. I'm sorry, you're right. But I hate selling stuff online. Nothing but scammers or thieves will come by to the house, case the joint, and rob me. Well, maybe if you got robbed, I'd get a new home. There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. You're smart. And this brings up actually another discussion I want to dive into is the physical physical presence of a map, of a piece of art, of a piece of information or anything. So like the other night, Swan John and I watched a movie called Leave the World Behind. It's this new movie with... Ethan Hawke and and Julia Roberts. And it's this like post-apocalyptic movie where this family goes on a weekend vacation. Oh, it's the one where, yeah, they can't figure out why the world's ending. Yeah, the world's ending. Like there's like this massive, uh, huge scale um, hack, like somebody's hacking the infrastructure of the country Mm -hmm. and like every piece of electronic anything is my favorite one of my favorite scenes was when the teslas, the teslas. were smashing yeah. into each other one after another because the autopilot they like hacked autopilots so they were just running all the cars into each other but like the and the the close and it's a it's kind of a controversial film because people get to the end and the ending is so abrupt people are like what the like really you know it reminded me of like um i uh, like the movie it made you think it, I, I kind of liked it and I actually kind of liked the way it ended because the way it ended was this girl, the whole movie, the daughter, he's 12 or whatever, she was like addicted to watching her iPad, right? And she was watching the show Friends from mm-hmm. the 1990s. And so she was like almost done watching, the, she was like watching the final episode and like, you know, the world melted down and so she couldn't watch it anymore because the internet didn't work. And so she was like complaining the whole time. And at the end of the movie, she finds this underground bunker where they had built this like bomb shelter. And, you know, they they had foreseen, I guess, the end of the world coming, This whoever this owned this Don't house. Don't tell the listeners the whole movie, dude. <laughs> but it, it, it goes back to, but I'm not telling the whole movie, but like she finds a copy of Friends on DVD yeah. And watches the last episode and is stoked. And I'm like, that's why I've kept every CD I ever bought. Like, you know, people are like, why do you have CDs? I just buy stuff on iTunes. I'm like, because I'm a musician and I like music and I want the physical copy so I can have it forever. And then in the case that like the world melts down and everything gets hacked, 
Yeah. You don't have your stuff anymore. Dude, if trail fork stops working, like... right. well, you're you're the new trail forks. That's what I'm saying. I'm, like you got all the maps. I'm good. Totally. Like hand-drawn maps. Like... I actually have, I think there's the, the original Downeyville map is in here from when you used to like go sh show up for the shuttle and they would give mm -hmm. you like a, an eight by 10 piece of white piece of paper. Right. With yeah. Like, like laminated. No, it was like waterproof. Like, no, it was a hand. No, it was like just a piece of paper that, that Greg would hand you and be like, uh -huh. all right, good luck, Sonny. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it really like, I, I think another one of my, so I've got another ass rant is just, I really lay it on me. Kind of hate technology. Like tonight, before doing yeah, we this can, recording, we, we were, were dicking around with the cameras and the Wi-Fi and the angles, and, and w they weren't talking to each other. And it's just like we gave up on it. Gave up on it, right? And it's just the technology has like dominated our life and has taken over our life. And I just want to try. And the other thing too is with this, like, you know hot new AI thing and chat GPT, how everybody is getting into it. I'm scared to death about what's going to happen with our culture and society as AI gets more and more powerful. Yeah, um, It's just going to, you know, first of all, as a writer, for me as a writer, like my career as a writer is pretty much toast. Like I'm, I'm not going to be able to write better, faster than a bot can. There's already bots writing a lot of stuff. Totally. Like that I hear in the surf, like the surf world, a lot of the journalists in the surf world are saying that, you know, the inertia and some of the other sites, it's all being written by bots now. Yeah. And they're going to keep getting better. And someone's like, well, nobody can write like you. You are an individual. And it's like, no, no, a bot can write like me. A bot will write like me. You just a, have to a bot will write better than me because it will know me better than me. And so it and just like, needs to say angry can take. It's right. like, well, I would love to see what it, like. yeah, what a bot rant would look like, you know, like <laughs> do a, a rant in the voice of the angry single speeder. So a bot rant <laughs> would look like me the other day when I went up one of my favorite places to backcountry ski. And oh, okay. There was a, someone had post hold all the way up. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. And I, we caught the person. You and did, yes, and it was a fe it was a solo woman walking up a skin <laughs> track, skin track, no snowshoes, no snowshoes. What? And she got, and we caught her. And I looked at st my ski partner and was like, "I can't, I can't rant, I can't do this because I don't, I don't want her to feel attacked, right, in right. the middle of the woods, right, by some crusty bot rant." <laughs> Dude, so did you, were I, I you did, diplomatic or did you just ignore? I just, I just said, Hey, have a great day. Like, yeah, I didn't say anything. And it took all, all the power in me to not say like, Hey, you shouldn't be walking in the skin line. But you know, then again, that's like the woods and that, you know, she was following the more and more or less the summer trail. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Man. That was a bot rant. Yeah, public public message. Don't don't snowshoe in the skin line. Set your own track. Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah exactly. If you're not on sticks, don't go in the skin. I'll say track. it was really refreshing <laughs> to go back to the same spot a few days later with some fresh snow and, and actually, it wasn't there. <laughs> have like a a nice flat skin line. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, getting back to your your rant though, like I think yeah, an AI thing is going to rant just as good as you. I agree. It'll do, I mean, lawyers are going to be out of a job. Writers are going to be out of a job. Like so many people, it's going to, I mean, I don't know if people fully understand and realize what's going to happen these next five to 10 years. 
in in their professions. Yeah. And it and it would it and even with a podcast, I mean, like, look at what we're doing. I mean, we've purchased the, like Snoop Dogg's voice, like he licenses it, but like a bot could do our voices yeah. very easily. Yeah, I, I got to say, I was totally oblivious to everything going on with the chat GPT until I started playing with, you know, getting getting the Snoop Dogg thing dialed. Yeah. And then recently I've actually been playing around with the ability to make the art. Yeah, the art and, is super cool. And I've been You're having... You're going to have to pop up a few of the, the having, art pictures that having, you made. Having fun with that. We're going to post some of these pictures that Powbot created, these animated I've got AI. a great one here of Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Ski touring with SpongeBob, <laughs> which was which is the one I came Classic. up with for the for this week's for this week's snizzle report. But yeah, it's like I, I we're just scratching the surface of and it. And that's the and thing, that's the scariest part is like what I'm seeing already, this thing just came out a year ago. The stuff I'm seeing already is like too powerful for me to feel comfortable. It's like, what's it going to look like in just another year? So did you, you know, did you read up at all on what happened with that, with the big company that was really sort of trailblazing the, the AI forefront and the, it was sort of started as not as a, as a nonprofit, I think, or something. And then the board. And they created a for-profit arm. And they created a for-profit arm and then the board fired I forget his Sam name. Sam Altman. Yeah, same. Open Sam AI. Altman. Yeah, they fired. So I, they fired him because I think one of the people on the board was really like is was scared. That's what. So I listened to this um, hour and a half long interview with Elon Musk on. I think it was on a New York Times podcast. It was actually really. Elon's a crazy sob man, but the guy I have to give it to him. He's very smart and a visionary. Mm-hmm. He's out of his mind, bonkers, wacko, cuckoo, but he's smart and. He, they asked him his opinion about Sam Altman being fired at OpenAI and like, why? And, you know, Elon was like, my only conclude, the only thing I can think is that there's some kind of capability that OpenAI has that scares the hell out of the board members. Someone else on the board. Yeah. And we don't know about it yet. And we don't know about it yet, but they do. And they're very concerned about the next few years. And so, you know, it, it just, what it, what it tells me to do is to start dialing in a lifestyle and a profession that does not rely on technology. You work with your hands, you build things, you create physical things or do things physically that technology and computers cannot do. It's like, we're going to go back to the old days, man. Like the, the craft handmade craftsman type of professions are going to come back because of what we're seeing in technology. So I had this conversation with one of the smartest people I know. And his question for me was tell me a job that AI is not going to replace. And I threw a whole bunch of them back to him. And he's like, uh, uh, robot, like they're going to they, everyone I came up with, they're like, oh no, this is, they'll have a robot that can do that <clears throat> and they'll learn it. There are things that there's, there are things that you potentially could get a robot to do, but it just wouldn't be practical to do it um, or too expensive. Um, I think the low hanging fruit these next few years is just going to be the intellectual property work, like yeah. lawyers, writers, uh, you know, Anyone working in technology for the most part, like, I mean, if you're a computer programmer, you're totally screwed. Um, And so, yeah, it just, 
we're going to have to go back to the old world of, you know, like making things like Genuine. a bot isn't going to build a house. Genuine I mean, you art. could, I guess, figure out how to he make a robot and then build a house. It just, it seems impractical, but anything's possible. There's going to be frame bot. There will be plumb bot. <laughs> There's going to be drywall bot. Yeah. <laughs> I actually know drywall bot. Do you? Yeah. He's from El Salvador. The guy's amazing. Like he, he could just like drywall a house in one day. So that, I mean, that's it. They're just going to like put it, f film him for a couple of days and then put it into a program. And yeah. And then it's the, see, the thing is, is that AI learns. Yeah. That's the wildest thing about it. That's the, that's what scares me the most. Is it learns. It learns and it gets smarter. I don't know, man. I, you know, just keep putting your mind in the track. That's so we, we need can to do, have a code word. We can do. So our listeners know that it's actually us <laughs> and not the bot. <laughs> and we got to keep changing the code word with like another code. That's like a, like a code word to a code word, code yeah. word, you know, so the bot can't figure it out quite right away. It's like changing your like password to your email every two weeks. You got to keep changing the password oh, the to password stay ahead thing. of the hackers. Oh, I can't stand. I finally oh. have a good thing for the password. What's that? A spreadsheet with a password that you type the password that in to would, get to a spreadsheet? That, that would probably work. <laughs> That's but then what you're I've in, done. No, my whole thing is like, I, I, I've i had a certain thing that I've used forever. Yeah. And then it got to the point where it kept telling me like, you got to change it. And so now I just take whatever site I'm on. Yeah. And it's that word with a capital, capital. And then I'm using whatever it was that, I was using forever. Oh, so it's like a prefix. Yeah. Okay. And then that way, every time I'm faced with like, you got to change your password. I'm like, okay, it's Netflix. So it's and now that everyone's going to know, but, <laughs> but no one knows, no, no one knows what my old school thing that I had forever, which was like a long saying with like a letter and a thing and a exclamation point and all that stuff. But like, yeah, that's, I've just simplified and just gone to like the word that. It's not and like it's worked. 420, 69, 69 anymore. No. You've, you've changed it. <laughs> I stopped smoking weed years ago. But I, I do think I did have a password at one point that was involved to 420. Yeah. I think everybody did. Oh, yeah. Still, it's probably like the, aside from one, two, three, four, five, it's probably like 420. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, so maybe AI is going to figure out how to predict this weather <laughs> it's going to figure yeah, out I which mean, way the squirrel's going to run i'm sure ba I'm, well it, we actually talked to ba about it and it seemed like ba was kind of stoked he's like i i hope that ai can get as good at forecasting weather as i've been able to or better but i don't know man i'd still i i would rather be better than the computer it's a better look like hey i'm a human and i'm still better than a computer but yeah for how long probably not very long I don't know. I just think if you just do something genuine, you'll be all right. Just as long as it's genuine. You just have to fall. I think what we're going to find is that, like I was saying, we're going to go back to like the old world trades, like the, the way we used to be, the way we, I think, I think it's going to be, I hope if the world doesn't freaking melt down in the process, um, that we're going to go back to a more agrarian type of society where people like, you know, the hard work and you earn your keep and you actually, you're hands on with what you're doing and you have tighter relationships with your neighbors and the people you know, and you're not living in this 
this freaking metaverse. Who wants to live in a metaverse? I don't, that's the other that's, thing. It like, seems like a ton of people dude, do. Dude, the world I live in, I love. I don't want to live in a fake world where I'm like a different person. I don't go to Burning Man. I don't need to. I don't need that. I my world's awesome. I don't need to escape my world. I well, love you, my world. You escape your world as Trail Whisperer, and that's. But I kind of healthy, am the. You know, yeah, that's like my persona. I've like honed over the years. It's like my personality. Yeah. You know, that's who I am in the real world, and so I think people are hopefully going to get back to that, like, and have tighter relationships with physical. Right. Nobody calls like. When you need to reach out to someone, or especially if it's like the first time, mm-hmm. it's now becoming like offensive to phone call them versus text them first, right? Well, you called me. Why'd you call me? Like, because I want to talk to you. Yeah. You know, like people are just like, now they're using texting as like the first mode of communication. That's one of the things I think that clicked, clicked with us right away is that we're both those people that will actually pick up the phone and just call. Yeah, because th- that was how we grew up, right? Yeah. That was like our culture and our life, like the way we lived before, you know, smartphones took over our entire lives. I'd like sit over here in this garage with like the phone cord coming all the way out. Totally. You <laughs> had the long stretchy long, cord. My mom would have, you know, the long stretchy cord. You'd go yeah. like across the, the house, the house Could, and yeah. into another room and shut the door. Right. Totally. I know. Anyway, so let's get off that because I think we've talked enough about that garbage. Yeah, How about your Shasta? Let's get back to skiing. Yeah. Your Shasta trip. So your Shasta New trip. Year's, you spent New Year's at Shasta. I did. Yeah. So I had sort of noticed that Shasta had been plastered by one or two of these sort of early season warmer storms. Yeah. And that's a good recipe for getting on that mountain mm-hmm. early season. Uh, it's, it's rare when that happens, but it, it, it can happen. Like a lot of times people can score good turns up there in October or even November this year. It seems everything's just sort of a month off, Yeah. but I did pay attention to it and sort of see that they had had a good one and it came in sort of sphere cementy and plastered, which is good, you know, because it created base, which is still something that a lot of us, a lot of areas have been struggling with. But yeah, that, that first storm that I saw came in and plastered it. And then there was another one that happened right around New Year's, just before New Year's. And it was a little bit warmer, uh, which was almost the blessing on that mountain because it had come in warm. It When it finished, it sort of created a weird zipper crust from Bunny Flats up a few thousand feet, like all the way up to maybe 9,000 feet, 9,500 feet. Mm-hmm. There was a weird breakable crust with, with pow underneath it. But the further you went up on the mountain, that crust disappeared and then it just turned to pow. And because it had come in a little warmer, that it, it there was wind with that storm, but because it came in a little bit warmer, that snow didn't get blown off. And so everything from like, you know, nine five to four almost fourteen thousand feet, you know, I think a few people summited the first day that I was on the mountain. Wow. And uh yeah, it was actually the the guy that set the fastest known time. I don't know if you ever saw that go down last year, but he was he was out there that day. He wasn't moving as quickly as he did when he ran up the thing, but he summited that day. We summited Red Banks twice. So we went up to the, what's called the thumb. This really kind of cool feature just to the side of Red Banks, uh, right around 13,000 feet and got up there and uh, skied pow, you know, skied pow back down to nine, five, turned around and went back up again. And then uh, I bounced because I was having some, some issues with my leg and my knee and uh, my partners did a third lap. 
they went huge. They did like nine five. So it must have been really good. It was good. Yeah, yeah, it was about as good as it gets uh, on that mountain in the wintertime. We skied bow. You scored, yeah. and you were smart because the storm that was coming in off the coast, like we were talking about earlier, it kind of fizzled by the time it hit the Sierra, but Shasta's far west enough yep. that it actually dumped on Shasta. Yeah, it snowed. A, I think it was a good 18, 16, 18 inches of snow. That's good, yeah. It got, a good, it, it, got a good, it got a good refresh, and... Uh, you know, it's been funny since I've been up there. I've been still still watching the 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 forecasts and stuff from the Avalanche Center up there, and it's just been howling winds <laughs> ever, since ever since I ever since I left. So nailed it, was, it. It was pretty special to get up there and <clears throat> yeah, nailed we it. We put a line down, uh, a line called the Heart, which is just to the right of where most people go up to Red Banks, and then <laughs> we got into a zone called the AK Shoots, and and I guess that's you know I never skied that terrain. Uh, before it's sort of rare to get get good corn in that zone uh but it skied really well yeah that was a blast yeah. it was a great way to you when i when i made a post on it you i liked your perspective in that like it was a great way to finish 2023 right because i've been sort of down on the how my season started right you know and i'm all thinking oh this is a terrible year to start it's a terrible way to start the year but like when you made that comment it made me realize and put things in perspective of Actually, that that I was still riding last year almost. Right. You know? Yeah. And it was a really good cap to the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, we had an all-time first half of 2023 for snow. And yeah, we had a late start and a slow start for the 24 season. But to get, you know, the, your last day of 2023 on Shasta and Pal. It, it was pretty bang. special. Yeah, it was pretty special. You know, the I will say the, the my one bummer is that I... I I've been dealing with a little bit of an IT syndrome mm -hmm. thing. That is the first time I've ever dealt with that. And the next day, my ski partners went back on the mountain. I couldn't join them. So that was a that was a first for me. First time being left behind because you physically had yeah, an issue. I, I, yeah, we they were they had planned. They went and skied something really cool. It was uh, Zach Mills and and CJ Tripp, uh, one of my longtime ski partners, the last three or four years, and uh, they were going to go deep and go back up to where we were and then drop into another drainage basically. And then, yeah. and then tour back. And I just, I just was like, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, that was a little bit of a rough pill Dude. to swallow, but I'm, 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 I think I'm getting over it. Good. Thinking good thoughts. I've been doing a lot of, a lot yoga. of stretch. I've been doing a lot of yoga and stretching, yeah, good, which man. is what I needed. Yeah. And that yeah. needs to just be a new standard procedure moving forward for the rest of our lives. Yeah. I mean, like we're getting older, man. Like, it's, there's a flexibility thing. Like if you don't use it, you will lose it. So if you that do not me. stay flexible, you will not be able to get flexible when you're older. You have to maintain your flexibility as you get older. Don't tell me that. <laughs> you do. So you have to really start amping up the stretching and like make it a normal routine. Yep. Yeah. I used to stretch a lot more than I have been, but I start, I've started stretching again and I'm still pretty flexible I just need to maintain it. Yeah. You know, like well, I can I, touch my hands flat to the ground. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm nowhere near there. <clears throat> but I'm also, I also have shorter legs, but either way, maintaining that's important. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it was a good trip. Yeah. You know, I love skiing big Alpine pow and that's what we got. There's just something special about being that high on a mountain. It's an amazing with, mountain. Like, with. Yeah, it's really a. It it's is got a cool. Do you feel like it has some spiritual energy? I don't know. I'm kind of. I think that all mountains have spiritual energy if you tap into it. Yeah. 
but you know, uh, I don't know if the, if the Lemur Lemurians are real or not. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I think, yeah, I think there's some spiritual energy on that mountain for sure. Yeah. I'm, I kind of believe in like the flux lines and like, you know, yeah. all that's well, sort of yeah, like, like the, those, those, um, electromagnetic, you know, um, focused points that come out of the earth, like the mystery spot in Santa Cruz, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like, yeah. And supposedly Shasta's on one of those like trajectories. It's, yeah. it's lined up with some of all I, that. I believe in that stuff fully. Yeah. I don't know. I've, lis I've listened to enough episodes of Coast to Coast Radio with Art Bell and George Norrie that I am I am a fan of some of those theories. Swan John thinks that I get I, I fall I fall too easily for the conspiracy theories. I don't, but I always just question what if? Like, well, could this have validity? Like, I I you know I guess maybe the Hunga Tonga thing is like uh, right like yeah. oh my god he's so on the Hunga Tonga thing. It's like well why not like. Maybe it's worth investigating further. And, you know, then like, I'm a, a pretty sensible person. Like once the, once the conspiracy theory starts to get real freaking wild, then I'm like, mm, okay, yeah, no. I'm going to pull in the ripcord. I'm not going down the QAnon rabbit hole, dude. <laughs> I'm not that crazy. Just well, it's good to at least dip my foot uh, in the conspiracy water, you well, know? Well, yeah, just get, it's, that's about having a well-rounded education and being yeah. well-read and, you know. Hearing you, people out. Hear it out and make your own decision. Right. Critically think it. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it at me. <laughs> just don't just don't walk in my skid line. Do you wear a butt pad at the ski resort? Do I wear a butt pad at the ski resort? So I wear sometimes, yes. You do? I do. Yeah, because I've broken my tailbone twice. That's why. Doing what? Just uh one time I was riding in the pipe. I was pipe riding at Boreal back in the day, like it was at night and I broke my tailbone. And then the second time was skiing, uh, make them stairs plunge, classic bump line in Telluride off chair nine. And it was a pow day and I was just ripping pow. And like, you know how you, the snowboarders, we do this like big front side sort of hop turn Yeah. and I hop turned and sort of butt checked when I was doing it and I butt checked onto a buried stump Ooh. and broke my tailbone. Yeah. So, so that's, it's not big to keep your butt warm on the chair no, or anything I, like so that. So I wear now they're like, it's like a, it's like these old school, they were like made for park skiers back in the day, but it's like a, like they're like old hockey shorts almost. And I just okay. put, wear them over my long johns and then, you know, put my ski pants on and then it, there's hip pads and then a pad that protects my tailbone. And then they're actually really nice on the chairlift. Yeah. There's secondary benefits. There's secondary. I, but you don't wear it in the backcountry. I don't. Yeah. No, because they're not, they're not all that comfortable to ski tour around in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like just an extra level of, I, so it was kind of Telluride, I'll be honest. Like that mountain has a lot of, uh, sharks and landmines. Mm -hmm. It's reefy, you know. Do like, skiers wear bud pads? I've never heard of th this, this. Uh, I I've think, never, yeah. So park riders like park do. Riders yeah, do. park riders do. Yeah, yeah, because people, the park riders get hip contusions really bad. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not all do, but yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I wore knee pads too at Telluride for a little bit. Okay. Just because it's so reefy. Mm -hmm. There's so many, it's just thin there. And there's a lot of. Shows. I just thought when I heard Storm mentioned this to me, 
<laughs> and I'm like, yeah. butt pad. I was thinking it's like one of those things I've seen people wear. It's like a, <clears throat> it looks oh, like God, a, no, like the turtle thing. <laughs> yeah. Like a skirt, like a turtle skirt or yeah. some shit. Like I thought you had like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> butt pad that you sit on when you get on the chair lift. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. So we, I, since you bring that up, like we've never even skied at a ski resort together. We've only gone back. Yeah, I don't skiing. think we have. I don't think we have. Know, Dang. Well, I don't know if you'd want to ski with me at a ski resort. I've got a, so I'm going to preface my story with a question. Have you ever <laughs> crapped your pants while skiing? <laughs> no, but I, I pissed my pants once. You did? Yeah. Like, like what happened? I was a kid. My brothers wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. They were oh. like, they were like, let's do, let's do one more run. And I'm like, guys, I gotta go. And they wouldn't take me to the bathroom. I was like six or seven, and my poor uncle had to take me had to dry my stuff out. Yeah, that's a, that's a, my brothers love telling that story, so I might as well get it out on the podcast. All right, I got a number two story have, have for you, you. Have you pooped your pants at the hill? I have. <laughs> Serious? I swear to God. And, you know, I haven't told this story very often, not because I'm embarrassed. I don't really care. Everybody craps their pants, so I'm fine telling the story about me crapping my pants. But I just, the 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 first time I told this story oh to some God. friends, we were at a bar and people were crying like at the table laughing so hard. So, and Storm wanted to hear the story. So I, I was like, all right, I'm going to mention it on the pod. What the hell? Why not? Let's just go. Let's just go for it. Crap my pants story. Everybody's got one. So anyway, this was like 20 years ago. Uh, at Heavenly. Um, and of course, it's a Vail resort. <laughs> <laughs> I already blame Vail. <laughs> and we were skiing <clears throat> uh, like their their park, one of their park areas. I can't remember where it was, but it had a bunch of tabletops and, and you know, berms and all this stuff and all those features. And so I'm hitting this pretty big tabletop. I don't know. It's probably like 20, 20 foot long or something like that, you know, and... Um, and my buddy, this was in the early days of like recording stuff on a phone. He had like a flip phone or something. So it was like some, you know, like 10 frames per second. Please, please tell me you have this old video. Uh, I think he, yes. Well, I don't know We're if I still have it. it, but it's on video somewhere uh, in the in the universe. My buddy, Niall, I haven't talked to him in 20 years. He ha He took a video. But anyway, so they're watching me and I go to hit this jump. And I take off like not fast enough. And I'm I'm like, oh God, I'm gonna come up short. And this tabletop was hard as concrete, right? And I'm like 15 feet in the air and I come down short of the transition, land square flat on the tabletop and just <laughs> like so hard, like my ankles, right? I could feel it. And then all of a sudden, dude, I just felt... <laughs> my bowels release into my freaking tights. <laughs> if Soft had, serve. If you'd Soft had serve. the hockey short butt pad, you would have, you would have, would have not pooped your pants, dude. It, it was like, and I didn't even know I had oh one on deck. It, it was because I had gone early that day. I'm like, I'm good. And then all of a sudden, I'm not good. And so I come off the jump and my buddy's like, oh, that was cool. And I'm like, oh, no, it was not cool, man. I think I... Did something to my ankle. My ankle's killing me. I, I got to go down to the lodge, man. I, I'll I'll see you down there. And he's like, okay. I'm like, oh my god. So I go down to the lodge. That's code, code word for I, I just pooped my pants. pants. 
<laughs> so uh, I go down to the lodge. <clears throat> I go into the bathroom. It's a dude. It's a total mess. Like I'll spare you the details, but like I was in there for like a half an hour cleaning up, right? And so we were on the we were on the Nevada side of the resort on the backside, you know. And at the end of the day, we had to take the bus like down Kingsbury back to mm-hmm. you know the village, and so. We're, I'm, this was when I was with my ex-wife. And so she's sitting next to me and we're sitting on this bus. Does she know about it? No, I, hadn't told, I didn't tell her. She and, doesn't know about the poop incident yet. Well, not yet in the story. And so she like, all of a sudden uh, I see this rank look on her face and like, she just smelled a fart. She's like, oh my God, it smells like somebody shit their pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I shit my pants. And she's like, no, you didn't. I'm like, actually, I did shit my pants. Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, this, this is a good story. You know, so I, I hate to say this, but like an AI bot is not going to come up with a story this good. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, uh, I would hope not. Yeah, I don't I think would I, hope not, they're not going to be able to recreate that one. I don't know uh, if AI wants to embarrass itself. Or if you if it even knows that crapping your pants is embarrassing for humans, I don't I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> dude, and then, and then the, dude, this was funny. So uh, at the time, these these tights I was wearing, they were like these in like these insulated winter Castelli, like super high end expensive cycling, like you know winter cycling tights. You know, you were wearing those under your ski pants. Yes, and so I was like, oh man, I just you know. These things are kind of ruined. I mean, not really. I would have to wash them a few times, right? So I washed them like <laughs> three times. And then, so <laughs> during this era of my life, I was coaching. Uh, so I went to Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, and did this bike race called the Little 500 for four years. It's this pretty legendary bike race. If you've ever seen the movie Breaking Away, that's the bike race. Mm. And so I coached these college kids who, like I was an alumni of this team. And so after I graduated, I kept coaching them, you know? And uh, so, you know, these college kids are poor. They don't have any money. And they're always looking for like, you know, hand-me-down things. So I'd always send them a jerseys and my old helmets or like whatever clothes you and stuff. Them the bear. <laughs> <laughs> I sent I see where them, this is going. one of the guys, I sent the team, I was like, somebody gets these awesome insulated Castelli cycling tights. So somebody on the team <laughs> was riding in those things for winters, like thinking they were the greatest thing ever. You never, that's why you don't buy used clothes because you never know when somebody shit in them. <laughs> uh. I love I love going to thrift stores, but now I'm going to be like never buying a pair of pants from a thrift store ever again. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, so if, I did. Oh my gosh, I'm never I'm not I'm never going to think of psych, tight cycling pants and heavenly the same ever again. Uh, oh, that was a good. Yeah, that was good times. That was good times. Yeah, so I guess uh, you know. Maybe some of our other listeners have crashed so hard they pooped their pants. By the way, uh, I do that. have a pair of uh, used Patagonia Pouslayer bibs. 
They're lightly used, like 40 bucks if anybody listening is interested. Put those on Sandy. <laughs> yeah, we'll put them up on Sandy. But one of the funniest, one of the funniest like Craigslist ads I had ever seen for cycling stuff was like, it said like, uh, used Cannondale cycling shorts. Only slight skid mark, 15 bucks. <laughs> like, yeah, you just don't buy used cycle. You don't buy, I don't know. I don't buy used bottoms. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just, Clearly. You don't really buy used bottoms because of that reason. I don't just buy used clothes. Unless it's like a vintage jacket, you know? Yeah, I've got a couple good vintage leather jackets. Yeah, I'll like. buy a vintage jacket. But you can fix anything with dry cleaning. <laughs> I actually, I actually have have tested the limits of that one owning a restaurant. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. oh I bet. Oh, the classic, the classic server spill onto a customer's brand new, beautiful, whatever it is, sweater. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's you know very embarrassing, and then you know the person's bummed, and then the, your only option is to sort of say, "I'll offer to dry clean it for you." And, and and see if you can save it. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. So dry cleaning can't fix everything. That's true. Yeah. It, I think it can fix all poop, but it doesn't <laughs> fix all wine. Red red wine is on another level. Well, uh, let's spin it. Let's spin it back to skiing. Well, for for the end of this one, since yeah. we have trans transferred into into the winter time. And yep. Snoop brought it up on the report. Mm. But the snowpack in North America is interesting. Mm. Like it is, uh, it's thin. So this is what happens when you have a long dry spell at the beginning of winter and you have a, sh a very shallow, thin snowpack, it rots out, <clears throat> Yeah, you know, and that's, that's a phenomena. And we sometimes are a little short sighted here because we, think that we're still skiing last year or even some other years where we've had very stable snow set up in the Sierras and other areas, but pretty much all of North America has a little bit of a temperamental snowpack going on. And I'll say that it hasn't been tested yet. Right. Because right. we keep getting these small <clears throat> little spritzer storms Yeah, we've been, you know, it's just keeps adding a little bit and adding a little bit, but it's hasn't been enough to really fully test the weaknesses of what we have going on. And it's been interesting to see all these, you know, I follow all the different avalanche centers around North America, just because it's a good way to learn, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I will say it, I'm, <laughs> I've seen, I've just seen so many people standing in pits of, of just like rotten snow. <laughs> That it's like, oh my gosh, like we're we're in for a really wild, I think, month of of all of our snowpacks healing and and flushing out that bad layer. Mm -hmm. So I'll just put it out there, like it's it's a interesting, uh, you know, mixed bag, shall we say, of snowpack all over North America, and usually, you know, for a lot of the Sierras, that's something that we don't really see all that often, you know. Uh, I think the Cascades are a little better off. They're starting off a little bit this big cycle that, you know, it's Cascades are forecasted to get 50, 60, 70 inches. Blizzard warning in the Cascades, which is a super rare thing. Big snow. 
big yeah. snow in British Columbia as well. And, yeah. and BC's been thin. Montana's super thin and has a absolutely fully fa- like <clears throat> faceted snowpack. I mean, I've, I've mm-hmm. seen videos of people just walking around in, in the backcountry up there and it's just, it's facets to the ground. So, I mean, it's, it's bad. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I I don't think it's really the, that conversation hasn't been talked about too much Mm -hmm. or I don't think you can talk about it enough is guess what I'm sort of getting at. Yeah. And that it's going to be really important for people to have a, you know, really mellow approach to the backcountry in the next couple of weeks here in, in all parts of North America. And it's going to be super important to have a program where you sort of, you know, get points of data, you know, you're reading the forecast, you maybe dig a pit here and there and, uh, and, and, and check things out. And also, you know, it's, it's not a situation where you can't ski, you know, I, I like to ski during considerable, moderate, considerable and high danger, but I will do it conservatively in terrain that I know that I can manage and I know that I'm safe. You know, you're keeping it yeah. below 30 degrees or skiing in, in areas that you know you can ski safely. And that's giving you points of data to then build upon. Yeah. And you slowly build up a program of, of stepping into more intense terrain and just not going for those lines that you want to go get right away. Yeah. I, you know, I'll just want to put that one out here on the pod that people should be conservative these couple weeks. Yeah, it's good advice. Especially uh, in Utah, Colorado, Montana, it seems way more dicey than it even is here. here. Not really. The eastern <clears throat> Sierra, like the east side is was rotten. Oh, the east side, Every, yeah. Everything up high, north, northeast, they are sitting on faceted snow. And uh, I did pull up, this dude is an absolute core lord. This is Brett Kobernick. And uh, he is a for he was a forecaster for Front Range Wasatch for 20, 25 years, mm-hmm. and has moved on to another range. I forget which range. Uh, Skyline. He's forecasting for a different area in Utah, but he's also the inventor of the split board. Mm. Corlord from Michigan. He's originally from Michigan. Mm-hmm. He's from my hometown of Michigan. I grew up with Cobe, aka Cowboy, and uh, he put up an Abbey forecast. Uh, on, he put up a video on, on Instagram and it's probably on YouTube and wherever, everywhere else that they put these things out. But I think that he says it the best and I love what he puts down here. So I'm going to play it. Brett Kobernick here out checking out snowpack conditions on my sled. You laugh, but that baby doesn't overheat on those hard pack approaches. It's a badass in like 92. Yamaha. Anyway, I could go on and on showing you examples of how and why the snowpack is so weak but I'm just gonna tell you. And I've been around long enough to know a bad situation. So you might wanna follow my lead. We're basically screwed. It's gonna get dangerous and it's probably gonna stay dangerous for a prolonged period of time. Think about a snowpack this way. We're trying to build a house and some snowpack hack contractor has botched the job on the foundation and we're gonna to try to build a powder mansion on top of it. It's not gonna work very well. It's gonna come crumbling down. A lot of that favorite terrain that we all love to get into is gonna be off limits. Look, but don't touch. Have patience. Hopefully things will turn around. Check the forecast to see what the current conditions are. Good luck. Well said. It's so well said. 
Like he nails it mm-hmm. like that. Like you can show people the inside of a pit all you want right now, but you really just need <clears> to <throat> tell them, be patient. Yeah. Be smart. Be conservative. Be conservative mm-hmm. until we see what, what happens here with all this new snow that's coming. Yeah. And that's good. That's my approach right now. I've been skiing conservatively the last couple of days that I've been out with new snow and just sort of getting some, some, you know, beta points to sort of move forward with. But yeah, I, I'm looking to ski conservatively until we can sort this all out. Well, between Cowboy, Powbot, and, and Snoop Dogg, man, our listeners are getting the, getting the goods on being safe out there. Just be safe. Yeah. 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 And I, I think his, his point of being patient too, and, and understanding that there's terrain that you want to look at, but maybe don't touch. Mm-hmm. Cause that's something that I like, we don't see that anymore. You know, we yeah. see terrain getting touched pretty frequently now. All terrain gets yeah. touched on a regular basis, even all the steep, you know. God, all terrain on Incline the... Peak got touched yesterday. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Every <laughs> square inch of it. I thought it was at Palisades I, on a Saturday. I'm talking more like intense, <laughs> you know, intense lines. Intense yeah. intense <clears throat> lines that people are gaming for in, in the mm-hmm. parts of North America and you know, there's just a, there's a, a right place and a right time to ski some of that stuff. And I think that right now, as we go into this cycle, it's not the time to ski some heavy lines. Yeah. But yeah. I agree. Well, you know, we, we, um, at the beginning of this episode, we said we were going to keep this to an hour yeah, <laughs> at an hour 23 and Hey man, you know, we're, just, we're, we're trying to, we, we're trying to keep the episodes, uh, shorter, um, so that the average like consumed episode percentage goes up because we want to make sure people are hanging in there, hanging in there, and they're not cutting out. And I don't know if people are cutting out because they just run out of time and they come back and listen to the the next bit. But maybe for those out there, um, send us a message if you like the length of the episodes. Like if you're digging, you know, that ninety minute to like hour forty five, or if you'd like it to be closer to an hour, let us know. Um, actually, that would be valuable feedback because we want to try and you know make these episodes um, fit our listeners' preferences, yeah. you know, the best we can. I mean, sometimes it's going to go long, especially if we have a good interview. But when we do these one-on-ones, um, especially since it's been a few weeks, um, I it seems that people can consume these you know hour and a half episodes. So maybe they like them. I don't know. Tell us what you think. Let us know. <laughs> Drop us a line. Drop us a line, man. Drop us a line. Um, it's been great hearing hearing from all the listeners. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of messages. Have it's you? Great. Oh yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah, I had a actually a listener reach out to us. Um, I think her last I might, I might butcher her last name, but Katie Pessy. Um, she actually gave me a few recommendations on some like badass bike packers. Um, so. We're going to have to uh, dig into that one. I think once riding season, she recommended a woman named Katya who uh, won this color continental, the the continental divide, the Colorado trail and the Arizona trail race in one year. What? And she's only been riding bikes for like a few years. I know she, she rides in like hiking boots. No, that's, um, is that, that's the, uh, what's her damn name? She's on a single speed. She's a beast, man. She's a badass. Um, what is her name? Shoot. We should have her on. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember seeing that. Native American. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
badass, total badass. Um, but anyway, uh, thanks for the kind words, yeah. uh, Katie. She actually mentioned that she's been listening to a normal cast for a long time. And we remind her of that show a little, which is awesome because I am not a climber. Um, but I found the normal cast through a friend and I love it. And we've definitely like, that has been a big inspiration mm-hmm. for us with this show. So I'm glad that people see the same thing. That That's cool to hear for. that. And I, I yeah. had heard from a, a listener too, that we reminded them of the grit, which, which was the podcast oh, I go. wanted to. Nice. Sort of go. meld into this. So like we're a blend of the Enormo cast with the grit, which is Chaz Smith and David Lee Scales have a surf podcast. And I was kind of hoping to like sort of create that space in the ski and bike world. Nice. The sal- salty old crusty guys. Crusty ass guys, rant. the ass rants. <laughs> Speaking truth. Anyway, well, happy 2024. Yeah, Let's hope the pow train continues. Let's get some pow this week. I'm looking forward to the Frog Lake trip. Frog Lake. We'll do a recap on that before you head off to Japow. Yeah, I'm going to go to Japow. Powbot in Japowbot. Glad, glad they got the earthquake and the plane Domo crash. Domo arigato, Mr. Pavato. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do the Japao trip for my first time. And it, right. it's been dumping over there this yeah, week. Yeah, it's dumping. So I'm pretty excited about that. Cool, man. Hopefully it continues. All right, well, we'll, we'll check in uh, after the Frog Lake and then maybe do a call-in when you're over there in Japao town. Sounds good. All right, everyone. Well... Thanks again for listening to episode number 29 of Mind the Track here in the Powbot Shred Quarters. Until next time, get out there, get deep, and put your mind in the track. Bye.